Hello, everyone. It's Roberta. Welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. Thanks for joining us. Today is a very special day because I have Libby with me. Hello, hey. Libby, my partner in crime, co-founder of Art Blog, podcast co-host for many, many years. We're so happy to have you here, Libby, today for this very special session. And we're also very excited to speak with Ra Crawford. Welcome, Ra. Oh, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Great to see you both. It's great to see you, too. Thank you. Ra is an artist. He's an artist provocateur, I like to say, whose early work included destroying his unsold paintings in front of an audience and in a gallery. It was very emotional. Ra is back in Philadelphia and has a provocative new project, and we want to hear all about it. So let's get started. Lots to talk about. Absolutely. So I remember both with fondness and a little bit of sadness too, the night that you destroyed your paintings. It was in 2005, I think. And and I sort of felt like I was in the Roman Forum. (laughs) You were actually upset, visibly upset when you were doing that. And you were doing it because it hadn't sold, as I recall. And you took a saw to it. Was it a... It was an electric handsaw, yes. An electric (laughs) handsaw. Yes. And it was very physical. And you had your little girl standing there, too. And I don't know how she's dealing with (laughs) with this memory. (laughs) How are you dealing with this memory? (laughs) I'm doing okay. That was actually for a 2005 exhibition. It was called Deusi Machina, and it was act two of a four-part act exhibition uh, called Welcome to Earth. So that was act two, and in that exhibition, Deusi Machina, I, you know, as a creator, I wanted to kind of embody that role of, of God, in a sense, you know. I set out to, you know, at that time, I was, you know, started off in acrylics, and I was started to create oil paintings, and I set out in my mind with this exhibition that my favorite works if they weren't sold, I was, I think I took like two or three of them, my very favorite works that I thought really represented where my skill was at at that time, that I really held dear to my heart, I was going to destroy those works if they weren't sold. And when I thought about it, you know, like the trick pony of that, it's like, okay, you can just grab any work and destroy it if you don't care about it. But I wanted to be something I loved. I wanted to fill that kind of, you know, paternal, you know, relationship with the work. And so destroying it was intense. That was such an intense emotion and people that were there in that room, like you said, you were there, felt that. And to this day, people still talk about that moment because it was a real true moment for me. And I'm glad, I'm very happy that I did it. I'm glad that I had that experience because I did, I felt like I was destroying one of my, one of my children and something I cared about very much. My daughter doesn't speak, she doesn't speak about it much. I mean, I guess she always noted I'm, you know, out there in that sense. <laughs> so she's a little bit desensitized to like what dad's doing. Uh, she thought it was definitely thought it was cool, you know, at that moment. It was really excited with all of the energy in the room. But she doesn't speak about it too much, you know, these days. She's like 28. I have two daughters, 28 and 27 now. Time flies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she was pretty little, though. Oh, yeah. She was pretty yeah. little. Yeah. She was yeah. pretty young. But it was it was it was intense. Definitely. Wow. So are you still in Brooklyn? I actually just moved from Brooklyn to Princeton about, I would say, two, two and a half months ago. Just moved. 
So switching, getting different scenery, trees, air, just switching up. I lived in Brooklyn for about 12 years in the Bushwick area, specifically, where I spent most of my time. So I've done a lot in that area. I actually created the first mural that started the mural explosion in Bushwick, um, Brooklyn. And I've done a lot of on-the-ground work there and a lot of creative projects and so many friends. And I've had so many experiences. It was just time for me to move on and kind of switch things up. So why'd you choose Princeton? I, I go with my instinct, you know? I go with my instinct. I'm, I'm called, part of like my, what I do with my work is definitely a clairvoyant aspect to it. And so I, I'm called, I'm called here. You know, my wife and I are here and it's really exciting. And all of a sudden, as soon as I touch ground, like all these kind of new magical things have happened, new relationships and new opportunities. So I'm really excited about it. I obviously have some work to do here. So I'm being present and open for that work. And it's actually a great, you know, as far as distance, right? So it's a great distance from Philadelphia and a great distance to New York. So I'm still traveling back and forth to New York. I'm there, you know, I teach an abstract learning and creativity class in New York, uh, the school in the Lower East Side. So I'm there, you know, weekly. I have meetings weekly with clients and projects and I have family in Philadelphia. So does my wife, you know, so it's a great place to be in the middle to be able to get to, you know, both cities. Very, very cool. I guess it's my turn. Let's bring up, (laughs) let's talk about the influences on your work. And early on, and I want to know if this continues to this day, and maybe it does, and maybe it doesn't, your work seemed to have a lot of influence from advertising and pop art, and also words and wordplay. You were a wordsmith. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit, and whether that continues through your art. Absolutely. I was always interested, you know, my work focused on, you know, popular culture, right? Or this current evolving culture that we live in, because it's keep changing, right? And it's where all of our memes are coming from. And even with social media, it's exploded into this whole new culture. And it's, you know, it's pervasive now through politics. And we've seen what's happening. It's just, it's the pulse of what's happening right now, for better or worse, right? And so in that, we've also seen like these words that have come out in society and how they're being redefined, how media will grab them and shape them. I'll take for example, like even the word slam, right? All of a sudden, slam is a trending word, and then the media owns the word slam. And so if you disagree with anything that someone says, now you're slamming them all of a sudden. So we've seen words shift. We've seen all of these change. We've seen, you know, with former president's campaign and how they use words. So words, defining words, ownership of words. We've seen things with social justice, Black Lives Matter, like all of these things, just the word matter. You know, everything's changed. It was all about words. It's always been about that. Now with social media and things that are happening now, I think that's brought to the forefront. And so, but I think at the heart of it, my work has always been about observing the pulse of where we are is evolving human beings and how we change. And so that's been the focus of my work. And so that's why words have had a big part in that. And have you, have you seen a trajectory from when you began to now and how your own words have changed? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yes. Everything has changed. It's funny now, like looking back, you know, so I'm 48 now. And so looking back of like when I started, I would say officially, and I think that's when I kind of first bumped into you, I believe, like on the, on the sidewalk, you know, in Philadelphia. So 2004 was like my first official, like legit gallery exhibition in the gallery. And prior to that, I've done underground exhibitions and kind of exhibited things on my own and was making artwork. So 
Yes, I've seen, I mean, we've seen during that time as an artist, I've seen the rise of social media. I've seen that change. I've seen that change, how artists represent their work, how artists present their work. Um, and now with new technologies like blockchain and NFTs, that has evolved again. And so I've seen a lot of shifts and there's a new shift that's getting ready. That's actually not getting ready. It's taking place right now, uh, which is NFTs and crypto culture and how it's affecting the arts. It's changing everything. It's mixed with finance. And so I've been very fortunate, like I said, how I live now in Princeton to be sometimes like in the right place at the right time. And I think this is part of my life mission. And I happen to be involved in this technology and in this culture um, from Bushwick, where I was for 12 years. And I've been like right at the heart of it. So I've been one of the early emerging artists in this completely new frontier, which has been really exciting, seeing things change and adapt. So in answering your question, uh, Libby, yes. The words have changed, the context has changed, everything's changed <laughs> over time. Well, what are NFTs? I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who know, but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who don't know. Most people don't know. Most folks don't know. Uh, it's still early. So in short, NFT stands for a non-fungible token. So there are many complex answers to it. So in short, we have entered, because of computers and technology, we've entered a new era. And it's similar to the dot-com boom. Remember before, no one knew what a website was, right? And it's like, what's a website? And all of a sudden, there were these things called websites, and everyone had to have one. And companies had to have one. At first, there were companies. After that, individuals have to have one. And if you didn't have a website, like, you didn't exist. You just had to have a website. Um, that kind of shift is taking place right now. We've entered an age which is called digital scarcity. And digital scarcity simply means that Digital files, simplified, like a JPEG file, an MP4 file, a PNG file, these files that we have, we email them, we text them to each other all the time. We've entered the era where those digital files have now become digital assets, right? And so they become digital assets because there is technology can have verified ownership of the file. Previously, like if I have a photo on my phone and I text it, to you, Libby, you then send it to Roberta and you send it to all of your other friends. It doesn't matter like who owns that file, right? We can't prove who owns it. But because of this technology, you can actually have verified ownership of who owns that file. And because of that, you can actually, that file can be an asset. You could purchase that digital file for me. And then once you purchase it, you are the verified owner and there's a ledger where it's tracked. And so now you have digital assets because I'm giving you a really simplified version of it. And so because of that, it's created a whole new industry that's changing everything in arts, entertainment and finance around the world, which is the whole new Web3 era that we're in right now. So can you give me a sense of that change? It was a really great explanation, by the way. It was easy enough to follow. But what does it do to the environment around it? Oh, it changes everything. I mean, it changes everything in a sense as far as an artist. Um, you have artists that are selling digital artwork that's not printed, and they're selling at higher numbers than established artists that are selling in galleries on canvas. Uh, an example, I've heard the headlines of an artist, Beeple, uh, sold at auction for $69 million. And that was technically a, uh, I believe it might have been a PNG or a JPEG file. And now the big auction houses understand it and they're a part of it and they're pushing it. Christie, Sotheby's, Phillips, they're all behind it. They're all, you know, grabbing the top digital artists and crypto artists. And people are uh, new millionaires are being birthed. <laughs> the money's insane. What's a crypto artist? 
Uh, crypto artist is an artist who creates art, primarily just digital art is NFTs and they're selling it. So you have artists that are, you know, I'm definitely would be a traditional artist who's crossed over into the space. And I, you know, I minted my first piece. And again, minting is what, what it's called when you actually place a piece on the blockchain. It's called like minting it. So I minted my first piece in like early 2018. So I'm still, you know, one of the early, they call it like the OG early artists in the space. And this was part of my, you know, I entered a new creative period back in like end of 2017, which I called my Neo Now period. Because I thought about, you know, again, thinking about Picasso, he had his blue period, these different periods. Once I learned about this technology and learned what was happening, I said, you know what, this is a whole new era. So I entered a new period. And that's when I started to do just digital art. So I was just doing digital images and digital art um, and start creating NFTs and started, you know, pretty much like becoming uh, a crypto artist. But crypto artists formerly are these artists that have never exhibited before. They've never had gallery shows. They produce digital art primarily, and their careers were birthed using this technology. Can I ask whether this is better for the art world or not? Is it better in terms of diversifying who gets to make money on art? I mean, you talk about the auction houses and whatnot, they're serving the 1%. Um, this is true. So who benefits from the NFTs most? The auction sure. houses or are there artists getting some benefit? Yeah. So I think to answer that, um, all things are true, right? All of those things are true and they're true in very different ways. The technology itself is amazing because the technology allows an artist, give me an example, allows an artist to have an artwork that a collector can purchase. Right. And so the collector purchase and written into the code of that smart contract, depending on what platform you meant on, is also code that says when this artwork is sold, there is a percentage that goes to the artist in perpetuity, which is amazing. Right. And the artist doesn't have to track it or chase it down. There's no paperwork. The code is figuring that out. I was first amazed when my art was resold and I got a commission from that. So, and that's the thing that you can leave as legacy, you know, to your state and your family, but in perpetuity, as your career grows and this artwork is sold, you receive a percentage of that sale. So that alone is amazing and a game changer. Such a thing doesn't exist in the traditional art world. So those kind of things are happening. So yes, um, that's amazing. There are also artists' lives that are being completely changed. You have brand new artists that are popping up, like pretty much almost out of nowhere that some of them have become millionaires. And I mean, that's on the that's on the the high end of like the great stories, right? Great case studies. On the regular, you know, version, you do have artists that are making sales and that's changing their lives. So you do have a lot of new artists that are changing. On the other hand, you still have humans, you still have auction houses, you still have the backdoor deals and things that are going to pump and dump artists, and you know, all of that is happening as well. And because this technology, uh, finance is a big part of it. So you have finance industry connected into it as well. So yes, all of the shenanigans that we all know humans do from financing and trading and the art world is here colliding. And it's, all of those things are happening. That's why I said yes. But <laughs> you do have artists that are receiving value and are able to extra, extract value in a different way. I just wanted to ask another question to help clarify in my mind, because this is all really, like Libby said, very interesting, and you're explaining it so well. Blockchain, 
you said you minted it, your first piece, put it on blockchain. Can you explain how an artist does that and what that actually means? And how did you get your commission on your resale that you heard about? Was that through blockchain also? Yes. Well, blockchain itself is just you know a technology, and it's the way that computers are networked to verify information. So I guess I'm just going to keep the simple answer, you know, so that's just the technologies, blockchain technology. As far as how an artist would, you know, like I said, mint work or have their make their work available, there are a variety of crypto art, digital art platforms that exist right now. And there are new ones every day that are coming onto the market because they see the money that's happening in, in this place. And there's going to be even more of them um, as these things evolve and move forward. On my particular end, there was one of the earliest platforms called Super Rare. Um, so that is the platform where my artwork is. And so I minted my work on Super Rare platform. How did I receive my artist royalty? Okay. And so when you're dealing with blockchain technology, you actually have to have a digital wallet or a crypto wallet. And that's connected to your embedded in your browser. So this is part of like Web3. So it's like, imagine having your, a bank account, right? An independent bank account of your own that's connected into your browser, right? And so whenever you, you know, sign a smart contract, just how you might, when you visit a website, it's like click to accept cookies or something, that kind of thing. When you go to mint artwork or do any kind of transaction, that is reading your, you know, your individual wallet that is connected to your browser, if that makes sense. So it's your own personal wallet. And that is your signature, that's your digital key that's connected to all your transactions. And so once you have a piece minted, your let's say you have, you know, your, I don't know if it's 20, but say you have a 20 digit code, you know, that's uniquely yours and it's embedded in your browser, that's connected into that smart contract. And so as that artwork is sold, no matter, you don't have to be there or anything, your information is already embedded in that contract and it's computer programming. So say, you know, $100,000, right? Someone purchases that. The code already knows this percentage goes to this address and that immediately will appear in your wallet. So that's the part of the beauty of the technology and these new smart contracts that are automating everything. And it's really cutting out the middleman in all kinds of transactions, you know, not just art, banking, finance, so many things. So it's a game changer. It's changing the world. It's all over the headlines right now. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. These are things that are happening. Well, it is new, and it does sound like it gets rid of the need for a gallery, except an online gallery sort of thing, right? Yes, but what's happening is, so another major thing that's happening right now is since we're moving into this new era of digital scarcity, right, all of a sudden digital files are now digital assets, right? So you have you can have a million dollar, two million dollar, $69 million JPEG so since these things are happening and you have tons of art, you have new galleries, these things are now being exhibited and explored in digital worlds. And these digital worlds are called metaverses. And people are going, visiting these digital spaces and their avatars and there are galleries. There are new galleries that are springing up. I did an interview about two weeks ago with the MOCDA Gallery, M-O-C-D-A, Museum of, I think, Contemporary Digital Art is what it, the acronym is for. Uh, we did an interview a couple of weeks ago, but there are, and some of them are very prominent now because they're representing artists. And it's just, I would say the simplest way to explain it is just how the systems and processes are set up in our physical world. 
those things have been replicated or growing in the digital world. You have your leading galleries, you have your top artists, you have your top sales, you have your top agents and representatives, and all of these things are happening in the digital space. And because so much money is being made in this digital space, that's given that same weight. Sotheby's has a complete metaverse venue on a platform called Decentraland. You can go inside of the gallery, you can see their exhibitions. There's someone who's always there um, to greet you, was avatar form to you know help you with sales and things. So they really dove in early on. So it's kind of like the old art was the gold standard and we're now in the idea of art being like money. Oh yes. But without the material, well, what happens to the material pleasure? Yeah, it's 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 still there. I mean, we have we really have two worlds. We have two worlds and the early pioneers in this digital world are they're racing and they're building institutions, they're building museums, they're representing artists, they're forming collectives, and they're racing and for collecting new digital wealth is what they're doing. And then I would say the general public is slowly coming on board to what's happening there. So in Art Basel, I just found out today that I need to go. So I will be there. I wasn't planning on it originally. Um, but there will be, you know, Art Basel happening. And at the same time, there'll be Crypto Basel happening. And the two worlds really are meeting and they're meeting in these places and they're overlapping. You're having blue chip, you know, established artists meeting now with the blue chip digital artists. Like it's all overlapping and it's all happening. Wait, are they meeting in the real world in Miami or are they? It's going to be both. They, they will be in Miami, but at the same time, they're a metaverse events. Give me an example. My company, uh, World Owned, focuses on art, entertainment, and technology, the intersection of all of those things. We created the Metaverse event for the Bushwick Film Festival. It was their 14th annual event, but we created a whole digital experience, you know, that ran in tandem with the festival. So you could go to the physical events in the digital world. You can go to this digital world and you could see, you know, films, you could hear talks, uh, you could see an art exhibition, you could see all of these things in a digital space. So this is your new business? Yes, my company is called World Owned, you know, worldowned, O-W-N-E-D.com. Yes. So do you think of yourself still as an artist? I, I, I no, I, I, no, I'm not. I'm a creative pioneer now, you know? I think that even what I'm seeing happen now, even this explosion I see like with like NFTs and crypto art, like what we're going, kind of predicting what's happening is like everyone's going to be an artist. Artist is going to be, you know, if you're a human, you're an artist and everyone's racing in to be an artist. And I think for me, creating art and being an artist was a different thing. And that's not what it, the frequency is being resonated with now with these new artists and where we are in the times. And I could just come from a different era. So I want no part of this. I'm not going to be an exhibiting fine artist. I have my work um, and I have digital work that I collected, but I'm putting it, you know, in, you know, again, like blue chip legacy, really high, high price tag for someone who's interested in collecting um, and seeing the history of, of art and how it transcended over this. My work will be available, but I'm not exhibiting as a fine artist anymore. I've said all I, I had to say. And as you know, this myth of like, is an artist, like you make art, then you die, right? And after you're dead, then we'll take time to look at your work and then we'll see what it's about. And then we'll celebrate you and all your, you know, from your estate and your future ancestors can benefit from your wealth. Like, no, I'm not interested in that at all. Like, I'm done. I said what I had to say. And if anyone wants to talk about it while I'm alive, we can do that. And I'm also changing the paradigm where I, you know, I'm a living artist, but I'm not signing any, I won't be creating any new work as Rock Crawford. So in that sense, the work has ended. So we can talk about it and those that collect it can receive value from that moment, but I won't be creating any more work in tipping fine artists with, with my name. 
So what name are you at World Owned putting out or whatever the platform that you're on for your NFTs? What is your artist name or your NFT name? Oh, no, it's Rock Crawford. Well, December 11th, which is very soon, 2021, I won't be creating any new work, you know, anymore. No NFTs? Nope. Nope. That'll be, I'm actually using the technology retire, which is the first time that's been done, you know. So you have this technology where you have all of these emerging artists are coming out of it and they're birthing their careers. I'm using the technology to actually end my career. And so... Yeah, so I think that's special, and I'm, I'm in a unique position to be able to do that based on my history. And these emerging artists won't be able to do that. They're just getting started. So I just say to them, we'll see what that looks like in 15, 20 years. If you're still making art, what that looks like, and if you're still holding true to your vision in 20 years. So they're just getting started. They're like, you know, if if anything, a year in. So congrats to them. But that's just a, that's just a different – I'm, I'm just doing something different. That's not my – that's not my league. <laughs> Well, you're, t- you're teaching this, aren't you? Yes, I'm teaching abstract creativity and design. Yes, I'm working uh, as a school in the Lower East Side called Essex Street Academy. I've been working with them actually for about four years now. It's not every day. It's like a special, unique class. I'm working with students, teaching them about concepts of design and like these young, young students, you know, teaching about art, you know, theoretically and how to think abstract and how to question things and how to create uh, from a center. Because I also feel like creatively, like art has gotten to this thing where you you pick a thing, right? The format is like this. And it started from Warhol, right? You grab a thing that we all know. Let's say it's The Simpsons, right? Mickey Mouse. We all know Mickey Mouse. So you take Mickey Mouse, you change the head, and there you go. There's my artwork, right? You take The Simpsons, change the ears, change the feet, and it's my artwork. So we're in this like cultural cannibalism cycle. And you see it in graffiti and you see it in murals. And that's everything everyone's doing. So it's just like stop. (laughs) I'm not into it. I'm not into it. (laughs) So what advice would you give a young artist to? To look inside, to look inside, to turn off the television, turn off social media, because everyone's just regurgitating back to each other, what everyone else is doing. Just turn it off and like to go, you know, go for a walk and try to find your inner voice which is really difficult, but find your inner voice and come bring something out of that. Hey, for example, I had a scholarship come out of high school, full scholarship, University Arts, and I turned it down because I didn't want to be, I mean, I'm rebellious at heart. I'm sure you can tell that. I'm a contrarian, <laughs> but I didn't want anybody to teach me. Like art was personal. I was like, you can't teach me how to find myself and my vision or teach me a technique that you want, that you're going to teach everybody else for this amount of money. And at the end, you're going to be a piece of paper and say that, you know, I did a great job. Like, I don't I'm not interested in that. So I try to work with the students for just independent thinking. You know, I don't judge their work and tell them what's good or bad. I challenge them on if they're thinking and if they can have a reply for the decisions that they're making and where it's coming from. So that's the main thing. That's amazing. I love your wordsmithing cultural cannibalism cycle. And that you're a creative pioneer. Those are great concepts and great words oh thank you thank you so i guess i'm still doing it (laughs) you're still doing it (laughs) you've just changed where (laughs) (laughs) so what do your nfts look like and if someone wants to go check it out where do they go to check it out and how much do they cost and do you have to have bitcoin to purchase them okay so all of those answers i'm googleable if you just put rock crawford in like all kinds of information comes up 
Uh, my website do a pretty good job of kind of keeping, you know, the top headlines and press releases of what's going on. Uh, you can go through there and the artwork that's broken down into the different, you know, eras or periods. So you can check out those. So everything's there. And the platform is uh, Ethereum. So Bitcoin is just one type of cryptocurrency. There are tons of types of cryptocurrency. It can definitely be overwhelming for someone new getting into space. But yeah, you can just go to rockcrawford.com. It has all the information. Someone can check out the work. Uh, someone can even snoop around and look at work and see prices and rates and kind of how things are going on with that too as well. Shopping. It's shopping. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But this is sort of the past of what you of what your artwork was the present though is you're in a sort of in a different field altogether i wouldn't call it a different field i'm definitely in the same space really from my perspective i'm doing the same thing like through my art i was always searching for my own personal truth and understanding and always reaching out for that you know going from acrylics to oils and growing and i feel like you know i got to a place where i achieved what I wanted to achieve. I said what I wanted to say. And now I'm seeing I need to, I've really kind of embodied the roles of, of a teacher and a communicator now. And I feel like that is my creativity. I have various projects that I've created, platforms and intellectual property that is still doing what I do. It's like questioning things, it's teaching, it's informing. So my art is expressed in different ways and passing along my information to like a new generation of students is a part of that work, I feel, and seeing them create their work and find themselves and have those moments. So I feel like it's like a full circle. So I feel like it's the same thing. I don't feel like I've hopped a track at all. Everything's just kind of opened up and I can see the horizon in a different way. That is very zen. I love it. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is an amazing take on where the art world is going or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's there. It's there. Definitely check it out. Check out, um, look up NFTs, see things that are going on. Check out some of the headlines of the big sales. But yeah, we are there. It's a new world. <laughs> it's a new day. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to touch on that we haven't touched on? Hmm. I would say about just the myth, right? Just so the myth of the artist way and this myth of the artist's path. Like I said, you know, the idea was like, if you're an artist, you know, you make your art and then you die. I feel like, you know, just for everything like post-COVID, things have changed again with social um, causes, things like we're evolving. Art too has to evolve. The conversations around it has to evolve. How we move forward with it has to evolve. And I think a part of this, again, me kind of retiring as an exhibiting fine artist is part of that evolution. And then bringing that thing into question of what it means to be an artist and what does retirement look like and, and what does the future look like? I'll always be a creative. That's why I'm saying a creative pioneer. But I think an artist is a self-reflecting um, kind of individual. Um, and as a creative pioneer, I see it more as the arrows are pointed the other way, not, not necessarily at me, but they're pointed out into the world and literally kind of like laying a hand um, on the world and the environment and changing things that way versus like an internal retrospection of, of who I am and finding out who I am, you know. That's a great way to put it. I love the arrows analogy. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm really excited about things to come and there are pros and cons, of course, with this new technology, but a new day is here and I'm excited and feel blessed to be here and to be a part of it. 
and I look forward to the days ahead. Can I, I have a last question I have to ask. So yes. can I hang one of these things on my wall? Well, what's happening right now is you have digital galleries. So what's also coming is, and what, so some galleries, you have some galleries, just NFT galleries. So instead of canvases, then digital frames, you know, and there's a new technology. So soon you're going to see Sony, you're going to see Apple, you're going to see all these companies coming out with these really simple, um, lightweight, probably digital frames or projectors that's easily sit on your wall, you know, and they'll probably be super small, probably, you know, probably the size of, I don't know, like a business card or something where you can probably sit on your on a wall and it'll project a full image. And the benefits of that, you can scroll through your phone and probably hit a button and have your whole collection of all your artwork, you know, displayed anywhere you want in your home or gallery digitally versus having to, you know, carry canvases and strip down canvas. I remember my first exhibition I had in Amsterdam, I had to literally strip down every single canvas and take them and break down everything and take them across the Atlantic and reassemble everything, which was insane. No more holes in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more holes in the wall. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to say thank you. This has been a fantastic conversation. And thank you, Libby, for being here and jump-starting the questions. Really great questions. My pleasure. Thank you, Ra, and good luck with your new adventures and keep growing and keep teaching and listening. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Art Blog Radio and come back for more anytime. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.